Hello, Mississippi and abroad. This is Parrish Alford with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal welcoming you to another edition of Justify Your Existence, where we bring you all the relevant college football talk in Mississippi and the SEC. I'm joined by Michael Katz, our Ole Miss writer for the Daily Journal. Michael, how are you, man? I'm good. I, I know uh, uh, Lane Kiffin brought up that it was a it was a short week for him, and I think it's a short week for us beat reporters. I don't think we get enough credit for the quick turnaround for us. Well, I'm gonna tell you this, Michael. I have covered that Monday night game like three times, and I I really hate it. And you and you notice that while there's a there's a little there's some prestige about playing in the Chick Fil A game or that sort of thing, you notice who always gets the Saturday Chick Fil A game slot, and it's not the Rebels if if they're in it now. You know, they're, they're going to be that uh, the, the Monday night Labor Day thing, and that's fine. It was a, a good exposure, certainly, uh, for the program. It was a great performance by Ole Miss, a great experience all around. But the, the thing is, and we're going to get into the game here shortly, folks, the thing is um, when you do all that work on, on Monday night uh, and it turns into Tuesday morning, you know, like everybody else has regular Tuesday and, and you just got to jump in, man. It's not like, it's not like you get Labor Day on Tuesday or you get to take that time off on Tuesday. There are, uh, for us, there was travel, there's getting back, uh, there, you know, meetings, phone calls, stories, just, uh, you know, everything. You just got to jump in. So, uh, uh, it's, it's not, uh, it's not the easiest thing to do, but uh, great experience, uh, for Ole Miss. Michael, let's talk a little bit about, uh, what hasn't been a great experience for Ole Miss recently has been the softball story, which uh, the university finally uh, acknowledged and uh, and really acknowledged in a surprising way. And I know we had been uh, we'd been hitting up on uh, we had been hit up on social media about hey, where's the story? Where's the story? But there were just some uh, some things we were uncertain about and didn't really want to advance with the original story. And uh, with everyone going into lockdown mode, as far as commenting, there were you know, no one was commenting uh, on the allegations against the softball program. So we were all kind of just waiting uh, for that next step, which was uh, Ole Miss to complete its internal investigation. And, uh, and now that's been done. And frankly, uh, Ole Miss says that uh, the uh, allegations of uh, inappropriate uh, relationship there between um, player and uh, and coach, assistant coach. And then uh, the other accusation was uh, the scholarship money being used to uh, – as hush money, so to speak. Uh, Ole Miss says that those allegations are uh, unsubstantiated. So that was the, the result of, of their investigation – and uh, also the result of the Title IX investigation that they did uh, uh, come out and acknowledge. But it's been a, been an interesting uh, couple of weeks just waiting for that to drop, man. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, you know uh, your conclusions and the work you did uh, getting us ready, uh, you know, to to get that up as soon as we could. Yeah, so I, you know, uh, and, and we talked about this over the last couple of weeks. I think we we all had a lot of scenarios and endings envisioned and I, I don't know if this was necessarily one of them given the gravity of the accusations that were made and so for for those um you know who aren't particularly familiar with the story um a, a few weeks ago i guess it was 
two two weeks two i think it was two weeks ago from tomorrow um a a story ran on a softball blog called running polls that um uh had some you know accusations uh, allegedly confirmed by players on the team that uh you know there had been inappropriate relationships with uh, uh, a student athlete and an assistant coach and that there had been uh you know hush money from the head coach to get you know, players to to not talk about it and, and that that's some pretty heavy stuff and when you have something like that um you know i, I think there's a tendency you know for because of the headline you, you want to get it out there but you also have to be responsible with it and so you know we knew about it and we were asked about it a lot and and we kind of um decided that you know uh, until we could confirm it as best we could uh or until we felt good enough about it we weren't going to necessarily report what had happened and, and we reached out to a lot of different sources we reached out to the university and like parish said uh you know they they were they were very quiet about it and um you know normally with accusations or something like that you get a statement within a couple of days um you know it took almost two weeks for us to really get anything um which is is you know uh, unusual for this sort of thing given that all, all you know the, i think new york post picked it up uh, fox fox news picked it up a lot of places picked up the reporting from running polls um but you know we sort of decided that while you know it seemed like their reporting from running polls was was fairly thorough if we can't confirm it ourselves we aren't going to put ourselves and in, in that sort of position where you know if you're wrong on something like this it's a bad look and so um you know we we, we got uh, a statement from uh, the university or from uh, from keith carter and jimmy Traxley yesterday that is unsubstantiated and um, you know, I, we, we've had people sort of commenting on it on our Facebook page because, you know, we posted it there because it is very big news. And um, some people are, are saying, you know, it's, it's a black eye regardless and, you know, all those sorts of things. Um, you know, it's there, there are a few things that are true, like like in terms of, of what's you know, a lot of people have transferred from the program. Like that is a fact. Um, you know, we can't say what the reasons are. You know, we I'm not in the room. We're not in the room. And you know, the allegations were made, and the university found them unsubstantiated. But you know, a lot of people have transferred. Um, and you know, I am. I think a lot of people know about this story now. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this impacts the program going forward because you know jamie traxel still the head coach she did a really good job and i think it's it, it's going to be interesting to see how this all works out that you know yes the, the claims are unsubstantiated and you know it, i think it's it's it seems like it's going to be business as usual going forward you know how does this change perceptions of the program going forward for for recruits and just kind of the softball world i know it's a very tight-knit community um and so i i think it's going to be interesting to kind of monitor where it goes from here i, I agree and uh, and folks so uh, that facebook group is Ole miss discussion with parish alford and michael katz lots of good things there uh in the group check us out there but uh running polls in its story and i, I don't want to move on to football here 
Uh, but I, I would like to say running polls in its story uh, claimed 13 people confirmed what it was reporting. Uh, and and we saw copies of the letter that we believe was sent to the letter that was supposedly sent to Keith Carter. We we believe he received it. Uh, but the letter uh, with the allegations was unsigned. Am I right on that? It was, uh, you know, we if there were 13 people uh, within the program or around the program that were confirming this to running polls, according to running polls. But the letter with the allegations sent to Keith Carter was unsigned. Is that right? Yeah, well, it's I believe it was redacted by the source. Oh, there we go. Yeah, redacted. Yeah, and so I have no idea who signed it, if it was really, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, I, I don't know how many names were attached to that specific right. letter. Right, but, uh, we, but yeah, we, we did not uh, we did not see um, names on the letter that uh, on the copy of the letter that we saw. Uh, and also, uh, you know, we're, we're still waiting to hear back from Ole Miss on uh, our Freedom of Information Act request uh, to see what kind of uh, documents, uh, you know, were, were available during, during that time. So still waiting on that. Um, let's move on, man. Let's talk football a little bit. Uh, I, I think a lot of us thought Ole Miss would go over and play well uh, in Atlanta, thought they would win uh, against Louisville, but – I don't know that uh, we expected uh, that kind of performance in, in all phases, really. I mean, it, you know, look, kicking game. You, you got a freshman coming out there nailing field goals, three for three, one from 47 is his first uh, first attempt. Uh, then Matt Corral doing his thing and looking good and, and having no turnovers and, and really directing the offense, uh, the running game, uh, Don Terrio drumming at receiver, uh, just really – but, you know, in all phases, but to me, the defense. Everybody wanted to see the defense – and uh, they, they showed out for half and uh, then kind of had a big lead. Maybe they relaxed a little bit, maybe fatigue, uh, maybe depth when you start uh, uh, getting a couple people ejected for targeting. But uh, just I can't imagine in all phases a better start uh, for Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is, you know, you look at the final score, basically a three-touchdown win, and I can think of, a ton of plays that were left on the field. I mean, it should have been an even bigger win. I mean, they probably should have put up 60. They, for as well as they played, you know, there were 14 penalties, two touchdowns wiped off the board. And so you look at how dominant they were and it, it, it could have been even, it could have, it could have looked even worse. And, um, you know, the offense, you know, for, for a first game, you put up 569 total yards or whatever it was. I think anyone will take that. And so, but again, I don't think anybody was, was questioning whether the offense was going to be able to, to put up points this year. Everything was always, is it, you know, is, is the defense, how much better is it? And in that first half, I think they gave up 107 total yards. It was like 26 passing yards, which was, you know, the fewest in five years or something like that. Um, you know, uh, I, it, is Louisville going to win the ACC? I don't imagine so. Uh, but you know, that's a that's a solid squad, and Malik Cunningham is a a, a good player when, um, when he is, uh, you know, when he when he's right. And Ole Miss made sure he wasn't right. Uh, they flustered him. They, 
you know, they, they dropped a lot of guys back in coverage and it was kind of similar to what, you know, Arkansas did to Matt Corral in terms of drop eight, uh, you know, the rebels played coverage and they made Malik Cunningham either pull down the ball or make tough decisions. And that put the defense in great spots. They were hitting hard, uh, sometimes maybe too hard, depending on uh, if you, if you, if you are a fan of the targeting rule or not, like it got a little ridiculous uh, after a while. Um, but I, 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 you know, like you said, I, first games are weird and you, you, you know, you, you never, if, if a team plays its best game in the first game of the year, I, I think they're kind of in trouble. But, and I, and I think that the positive, the most positive thing is here is as well as they played, you can see how much room there is for growth. And so if you're winning by almost three touchdowns against a, a solid team, the opener, um, and the team grows as you think it will during the you know the normal course of a season, I, I think I think fans and and the team is 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 going to be pretty excited with the product. I know there's rat poison and and all that stuff, but uh, I I think this was a really promising start. Yeah, here's the thing on that: the score doesn't always tell the story. You know, you got you got to peel back the layers and, and look inside, but. But uh, a couple of plays here, man, if, if one of those Ole Miss touchdowns stands and if the defense makes one play somewhere in the second half and, and prevents one of those three Louisville touchdown drives, you're talking to something like 55 to 17, man. You're t- I mean, you're talking all of a sudden of like, a, you know, 50-plus. And, and I mean, I, th- I think it was a wow performance uh, anyway. But uh, suddenly you're talking about something – which probably was uh, would be more indicative of how the game was played. So anyway, so there there are uh, areas to improve. Always, you don't want to peak in the first game. Uh, I heard Don Terrio Drummond tell you guys yesterday that he surprised himself that he had that kind of game. I wasn't really surprised that Don Terrio Drummond could go out and have nine catches in a game and make some big plays and do some things after the catch. He, he did those things at different times last year in limited opportunities because Elijah Moore was on the team. I was a little more surprised, I think, that the targets weren't spread around more. And everybody – there were a lot of people who were involved, but there was a, a confidence that they established with Drummond, a chemistry. Uh, you know, I thought we might see more from Jonathan Mingo, more from John Rice Plumley. You know, I thought I, I thought we might be surprised by Chase Rogers at tight end, more – uh, in in that way, uh, but uh, there was a comfort level that they established with Drummond and and these other folks got a, got a couple of targets here and there, you know. Uh, but just you know, I thought we would see more balance among that. What did you think? Yeah, and so it, it's it's interesting because the entire camp, it, it the receivers always kind of gave off the the idea that on any given day it could be a different guy going out there and having the big performance. And I think most, you know, receiving cores say that. Um, But I mean, if you really look at it, I mean, who did we talk about all of camp? It was, it was, it was Braylon Sanders and, and John Rice. And so, and then you go out there and it's Ontario Drummond making, uh, you know, having an incredible night. And so, um, you know, I, I think a lot of 
who's going to have the big day is dictated by what the defense is going to do and, and what they do. And, you know, if a team decides that they are going to double cover Ontario Drummond, um, you know, Braylon Sanders is going to get a lot of looks. And so uh, I, I know, I, I think we, you know, just talking to, you know, Jeff Levy and, and, and Lane, you know, we kind of got the idea that it might be, you know, maybe more evenly distributed, uh, distributed, but um, I think that can kind of take a lot of forms and maybe it's, it's differently distributed, not in a game, but through over, you know, several games. And we're going to see different guy. you know, it, it might be someone else with nine catches uh, against Austin P or, or Tulane. And um, I, I, I just think that, you know, I, I know the question was, you know, how do you replace Elijah Moore, um, you know, because he was a star, but I, you know, as, as the off season kind of went on, we got the sense that they really weren't worried about it. And, and I, I think they're justified in not worrying about it. I think they have, you know, do I think any one of those guys is Elijah Moore? I don't want to put that pressure on anybody because, you know, he was a Blitnikoff finalist and he's in the NFL now, but they have, you know, three guys, at least three guys who can have those performances like Dontario had on, on Monday. And I think that um, that's a scary proposition for the rest of the league, um, you know, cause you kind of have to pick your poison and the rebels have a lot of poisons. What was your take on the offensive line, Michael? I thought they played okay. I thought there were many times that, uh, Matt Corral had a clean pocket and had time and went through his progressions and looked good doing it. And then there were some holding calls and uh, false starts. And, you know, maybe that's just a, hey, it's the first game kind of thing. Uh, what uh, what did you see from those guys up front? It was, it was a little bit sloppy. I mean, you, you talk about the penalties. Like the best play of the game was called back because of, you know, an alignment downfield. It was that it went viral afterward, but it was the play where Matt Corral kind of looked like he was going to run a draw and then threw a kind of a, not quite a jump pass, but a, a quick pass to Ely, who was untouched in the end zone. And that got called back. I believe Nick Broker got called for a personal foul kind of on a on a late hit. Um, yeah. So, you know, there are those kind of sloppy things, but also and I think. You know, it's hard to say that, like, the line didn't play well when you rush for 188 yards, but. I, I felt like with the way that we all kind of imagined Louisville was going to play with dropping a lot of guys back, there were going to be bigger running lanes. Um, you know, there weren't like a ton of, you know, breakout rushes like that maybe I, I imagined that there would be, you know, obviously Snoop Connor had a great game. Um, I still think that Louisville players down on the field uh, after he trucked him uh, on the goal line. Um, and, you know, Matt Corral ended up rushing for 55 yards or whatever it was. Um, again, I, I don't know if that's a good thing if, if, he, if he's running like that. But, uh, you know, I, I think I expected Jarian to maybe have, you know, a bigger impact as as a runner. I think, you know, I expect Henry Parrish to maybe ha have a little bit more impact as a runner. And, you know, obviously you can't have it all on offense. And, and, and when you get 569 yards, it's hard to really kind of to nitpick. But. I, I think I expected there maybe to be a, a bigger push 
from the offensive line in the run game. And again, it's the first game of the year. And that's, that's, not, that's, a, that's, I think it's going to be a pretty solid defense uh, at Louisville. Um, but I, I, I think I, I expect the line to, to maybe get a little bit more push than, than it actually did. Yeah. I thought there would be a strong running game and, you know, you you almost hit 200 yards. So, I mean, it's, it was not a bad running game, but like you, I thought there'd be more, more balance. I, I thought there would be, more consistency from Jerry on from Henry Parrish and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and look at Snoop finally brought it and, and maybe it was that style, that big banger uh, that, that was needed. But um, you know, it was really, you know, he was the third guy they put in the game and, and it really didn't click. It didn't really click until he got in there, but that's, that's the good thing about depth. There are options. Uh, at running back, and and I think they're going to have a, a good running game again this year. Um, let's talk about quick turn, man. It's it's Austin P. We all know the stories about uh, Appalachian State and Michigan, and and uh, you know little guys have beaten big guys at other times. Uh, little guy Jacksonville State beat Ole Miss uh, in Oxford in the opener in uh, in 2010. I was there for that game. Uh, what do you think happens uh, in this quick turn uh, with uh, Austin P. coming in Saturday night? So I, I know that the, the FCS over ranked teams doesn't happen very often, but it happened a couple of times last weekend. Like, I mean, we saw Montana beat Washington and, and you know, this, the, these things do happen. These FCS teams, the top level FCS teams aren't that far off from the middle of the pack FBS teams. And we see FBS, you know, those middle of the pack teams beat ranked teams, you know, a, a, several times a year. And so, I, I think if there was a bad time to see a team like Austin P, it's right now coming off a big win and coming off the quick turnaround where you only get to practice. I think they said they're only practicing one day a week, uh, one day this week, and you, you kind of have to do like a, a cram study session to, to get all, you know, to, to study Austin P. Um, you know, I, 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 I think it has potential to be maybe tougher than it would look. You know, Austin P is ranked and they're a good FCS team. They just beat Chattanooga, I think for the first time ever. Um, and Chattanooga is a ranked team. Uh, you know, Scotty Walden is considered one of the kind of offensive gurus uh, in college football. Um, they've got a really nice quarterback. You know, they, they, they've got some dudes, um, but I, I think one of the things that will really be on Ole Miss's advantage here is that it's the first full capacity home game in a long time. Um, you know, is it going to be full capacity? Who knows? You know, it's hard to say with these FCS teams. I know Lane Kiffin was really kind of imploring uh, fans to come out there and show their support. But, you know, with the Grove being open and, uh, you know, I expect it's going to be very loud regardless of how many people are there. I, I think that that sort of energy and just the excitement to be back home might make up for any sort of, you know, miscues or, uh, you know, them, you know, the, the you know, any sort of the any sort of impacts from that quick turnaround, I think, will be negated by just the sort of excitement of them. Uh, you know, being back and then, uh, you know, eventually I think that the depth of, of Ole Miss and, and the talent gap overall is probably what kind of 
you know, spreads, uh, gets the spread to where it ends up being. You know, I think for, you know, a quarter and a half, it, it might be close. Um, but I think by the end of the third quarter, it's it's a pretty big gap, and and by the end, I think it's a it's a pretty big win for Ole Miss. But you know, I don't like to admit I've ever been wrong before, but I have been wrong before. Yeah, I'm also interested to see how many people attend Saturday night. Uh, under normal circumstances, there'd be some empty seats for an FCS game at Vault Hemingway Stadium. Uh, I know last week uh, when I covered. Uh, Mississippi State and Louisiana Tech there. There were, you know, quite a few empty seats there for State's home opener. And and uh, I don't think it was because of uh, the football team. I think uh, people were thinking COVID at that point. So I'm curious to see because right now you, you do have, as you mentioned, the fact that you hey, haven't had a home game in a long time, Grove is open and all of that, all that's coming back. Uh, and you've got a team that's really hot. I mean, this – this is lining up for a, a better attended FCS game than what would be considered normal, except for the COVID factor. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I'm interested to see what kind of uh, attendance they have. Hey, folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, where we bring you the relevant college football talk in Mississippi and the SEC for Michael Katz, I'm Parrish Alford. Thanks for being with us. Come back and join us next week.